It's like um, Mr. Rogers style, right? I don't, I don't have any slippers to put on. That was good. Wow, that one fell flat. The Mr. Rogers took the sweater. Slippers. Wow. Um, I'm even. Gonna, I'm, I'm gonna ask for one more favor. One more favor, you guys. Do you mind if I roll my sleeves up a little bit? I'm just saying. Now, I will warn you. I will warn you. I have ta um, tattoos. So I am a youth minister. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and this all ties into the lesson, trust me. I was being serious. It does. Um, you know, we are all different individuals, aren't we? Unique individuals here this morning. You know, each of us uh, have different lives. You know, we all live here in... Virginia Beach, Virginia, or perhaps the next town over. But yet we are so different. If you were to sit down with anybody in this room and just ask them questions about their lives, you would start to realize that we have many, many differences. You know, one of the things that just fascinates me is being able to sit down with people when I go and travel. Especially when I go travel to um, places a little bit further here within the northern, um, our northern continent here, um, across the pond, if you will. In London, my wife and I had this great chance to go to teen camp there. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I remember during the mealtime, I would sit there with a table about six teens from London. And I would just pick their brains. Like, I want to learn what it's like to live in London. What it's like to be a child growing up in London. What kind of school do you go to? And there are all of them like um, Hogwarts. You know, like... That was better than the Mr. Rogers one. You guys like that one better. Um, you know, but I want to know how different your life is here. You know, like I said, all of us are unique individuals. Let's turn to Acts chapter 3. You know, as we've been studying through the book of Acts, you know, we're going to keep coming um, across different individuals. Unique individuals. Unique individuals that have a moment where they come face to face with the gospel message. You know, and here in chapter 3, we're going to see a great um, example of that. In verse 1 it says, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at a time of prayer, at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those who were going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John um, about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John, both at the same time. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his um, attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Oh, sorry, I've lost some place. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, 
They recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and um, amazement at what had happened to him. Now today's title is One in the Power of Jesus. You know, Peter and John, we see that they're on their way to the temple to pray. This is late in the day and they were going up there to spend some time with God. But of course, on their way, they come across this man. This man who has, you know, as we see, has been lame, has been unable to walk since birth. You know, we see that this man is, has been laid there at the temple gate every day of his life to beg for something from these um, individuals. Now, the place that he's at is, is a great place to beg because you have people coming in and out of the temple, focused on God, focused on giving to God and following Him. And part of the Jewish, part of their worship to God was actually giving to those less fortunate. So he had the prime spot. There as people walked out of their uh, temple time, they would look at him and hopefully give him just a little bit of money. But as he's sitting there, as he does every day, Of course, Peter and John stare down at him and they say, look at me with such confidence. And of course, we know that he's healed and goes off rejoicing through the temple. Now, on the surface here, this seems like any other individual healed in Acts or perhaps even through the Gospels. But what I want us to do this morning is to kind of let's go ahead and look at who this man is. Now, I'm going to say right now, this is all we have on this individual. But just follow me for a moment with this. Let's call this man Andrew. Andrew, and for short, let's call him Drew, all right? Everybody with me on that one? You know, it didn't take long for Drew's mom and dad to realize that there was something wrong while she was pregnant. There were no hard kicks like the child she had had previous. You know, and it was confirmed at birth that, in fact, he was lame. He could not walk. You know, of course, just like any other parent, that instant you see your child, you fall in love. You love that child. And of course, she loved her son, just like any other mother. But then in the back of her mind, the weight of what his life would be like was always heavy on her, on her heart. She knew, of course, that he would be outside of society. He wouldn't be um, allowed in in the temple. He wouldn't be um, allowed to be a part of Jewish life. Where everything surrounded the temple and the worship of God, he would never see it. He would never be able to see the magnificence that is temple and that is God Himself. You know, the fellowship, the community would be far from Him. Close, but just out of reach. What would his life be like? All these were the questions that Drew's mother had the second she held her newborn son. You know, as I said before, of course they loved him. And they raised him just like his brother. And they raised him like any other child there in the city. He grew up knowing the ways of the, of the Lord. He could recite all ten commandments. And of course, he excelled in his knowledge of the scriptures, holding on tight to the promises of God. 
He had a childlike love for God. But of course, you know, he couldn't stay young forever. It's funny how we, as we get older, we look back and, you know, we wish we could be kids again. But yet in that moment, we wish we could just be grown up. But of course, he grew older. No, he started to stay at home more with his mom. As his friends went to go continue their studies in the, in the temple. You know, kind of out of sight, out of mind. As slowly, the others didn't come by any longer. Unable to work, why even teach him a trade? He would watch his father leave every morning, bringing along his older brother to pass on the family work skills. You know, during this time, he grew close to his mother. His mother enjoyed having him um, around the house and a welcomed companion, a welcomed friend, a welcomed helper. And of course, they grew close. I mean, who else did he have to share his life with? His thoughts, his struggles, his questions about God, his questions about his own life. Sometimes she would even bring him into the market to help out with her sister's businesses. Selling grain and seeing the other people. Wondering what their lives were like. Wondering what they did in the morning and in the evening. What kind of conversations. And how they looked forward to the days um, before them. You know, time passed. His brother married and left. All his friends married, started their own lives, but yet he stayed there within his own home. He watched them as they grew and become and became strong parts of the of the community as men of Israel. He watched them as they walked by, hurried lives from one place to the next, but he sat there and watched. No, first he watched his, fa- his father pass first. Then he slowly watched his mother pass. It was then he really felt all... Um, um, excuse me. Uh, he felt all by himself. The scriptures that he had held on to, the promises of God that didn't seem so bright any longer. His friends, really honestly just his family carried him to the temple gate to beg every day. He often wondered if it was out of duty or out of pity. He hated the looks of pity. It seemed that everybody who passed by and stared down at him, that's all they felt was pity. And they would hand him whatever was left in their, in their pockets, never speaking any words to him, never asking him how his day was, how he was feeling, how, what they could do to help. Just one handout. No, but he was grateful. God did provide through his people. He could eat. He had a place to live. He had people even to carry him to the gate every morning. That was his life. Survival. And he um, accepted it. He accepted that reality every day. Because, I mean, at least at the temple gate, he could hear what was going on within the temple. He could hear the gossip and the busyness and the life of the town news and try to keep up with the comings and goings of city life. One time he heard of a rabbi named Jesus and all the miracles that he had uh, performed. 
That he was even claiming to be the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior of his people. And it was said that he healed the sick, even the lame. Drew was uh, excited now that perhaps because of his daily spot right outside the temple, that he would come across this Savior. That he would somehow catch a glimpse and perhaps, maybe just once, be able to walk again. It was Monday, and the streets were packed. Everyone was returning for the Passover. Word was that Jesus was in town. In fact, healing people in the temple. He brought them in the temple with Him. Actually bringing in the lame and the sick. Those that were never um, permitted to enter the temple previously. This was his moment, only if he could get in. Only if he could beg for someone to pick him up and bring him into the temple. Perhaps this could be the day. But he just lay there, like every other day. A few days later, he overheard the crowd screaming and yelling, crucify him. But he picked up between all the chatter and the yelling that they had crucified Jesus. Once again, his hope faded. Seemed like this was the pattern of his life. His curse. Hope would come into, into view so bright and blinding, but then it would fade into his daily routine. Pitied and begging for something. You now Drew had this one moment that we read here in Acts chapter 3. One moment, his um, encounter with Peter and John. But in actuality, this moment and this encounter with the power of Jesus. And his life was changed and transformed. You know, like I said earlier, we all have unique, different lives. But all of us have this same thing in common. That we come in and we have this unique and personal moment where we have an encounter with the power of Jesus. We all come to the same place, face to face with Jesus Himself. So the question I have for you this morning, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about that encounter of Jesus? You have a, you have a choice to live a life transformed by the power of Jesus or to treat it like any other interaction. As if it's the same as you going to the grocery store and conversing with the clerk and asking them how their day is and going on about your life. Or it's the same as you waking up and pouring yourself a cup of coffee and saying good morning to your kids as they leave. Or it's the same as having that little conversation in your workplace. But you have face-to-face interaction with the power of Christ. If you're anything like me, you you have to ask yourself, I don't think I really have that interaction. I can't remember when I've sat face-to-face with Jesus Himself, or let alone even Peter and John here, that I've had this moment where I come and clearly it's the power of Jesus sitting right there in front of me. You know, and I have to take a step back and say, well, maybe I'm just not looking. 
Maybe I'm just not looking deep enough to see the power of Jesus in my life. You know, like I said, each one of us has their own story. And each one of us, if you take a step back, you truly can see the power of Jesus. And how it's moved in your life. How, it's, how He has moved and put you in the exact place, the exact time for you, each and every one of us, to see the power of of Jesus. And we can't miss it, church. We can't just be focused on survival. And we see here with this beggar, with Drew, his life was about survival. One day to the next. Focused on what's going to happen tomorrow. Am I going to have enough to eat? Am I going to have enough to survive? Just laying there on the mat. And with the power of Jesus, it's more than survival. It's more than just going from one day to the next. Jesus and the power, He has the ability to change your life. The ability to make you walk once again. Jesus doesn't want you just to survive. That's not the goal. It's not the goal for you to just make it till tomorrow. For you to do the same thing you did this morning. Wake up tomorrow Monday. Tomorrow morning on Monday and say, well, I'm starting it all over again. Monday through Friday, work, can't wait till the weekends. That's not Jesus' plan for your life. But outside of Jesus, that's what you, that's all you get. I love, uh, I buy quite a few things on Craigslist. um, Offer up different apps like that. I like buying... Uh, vehicles, cars, and different things, and fixing them up, and then having them for a little bit, and then selling them off, and making hopefully a little bit of profit. But one of my favorite things, one of the things that I love about Craigslist is when you read through the ad, and it gives you all the different things about the car, everything that's wrong with it, everything that's good with it, it's got new tires, you know, brand new, it's never been in any wrecks, you know, oil was changed last week, and I'm like, thanks, 20 bucks, saved it. Even better when they say full tank of gas, I'm like, yeah, that's a selling point. Um, but then they get to the very end and it says, as is. I'm like, as is, it's like you had to qualify the fact that your car's not great. You know, it's like, it's as is, that's what you get. That's not your life. That's not my life. It's not as is. It's not just this is what it is and take it as is. The power of Jesus, it's something more. I don't think as is is what God had in mind when He sent His Son to die for you and me. To give us the opportunity not just to survive, but in fact have a meaningful and deep relationship with God and have a purpose for our lives. I love this passage because we get to see the full force of the power of Jesus. What we see here, I don't know if it's set in for most of us. We see a man who hasn't been able to walk for 40 years. You imagine what his legs would have looked like. No muscle. I don't know why he couldn't have walked before. Perhaps it was a spinal injury. I don't know. But it doesn't say he went to physical therapy for five years. It doesn't say he had to, you know, slowly get his muscles moving again. It says he got up, jumped, and rejoiced. 
I don't, I mean, let that sink in for a moment. Not only was he able to walk, but it was like instant muscles. I don't know, I mean, seriously. Like, that's, I mean, I don't know if you can see it. It's like, just grew up. I don't know how that, how that works. But we see here is the power of Jesus. You think that Drew could have even fathomed that his day would have ended like that? Can you, can you even imagine? Do you think he could even like think, today could be the day that I get up and walk? After 40 years, today's the day. I'm feeling good about it. No way. The same for you and me. There's no way that we could even fathom, even know what the power of Jesus could do in your lives. It's too far. But yet Jesus brings it to us. Can Jesus actually change your life? Can He change your marriage to make it what you always hoped it would be? To make it actually what the Bible reflects as a true union between man and woman? Can that actually happen? What about with your kids? Can you actually raise them to be incredible men and women of God? Not just surviving from one day to the next, but in fact, living a life worth living. Giving you the confidence that not only have you done everything that you could have done, but that they love God. And they're taking what you wanted to pass on to them, to the next generation. Can the power of Jesus change your broken relationships? Can the power of Jesus actually mend those family bonds that have been broken? After those arguments, after those fights, that seems like it's so far. Seems like it's not even possible that somehow that relationship can be restored. Can the power of Jesus do that? What about your... Your inability to break the bonds of slavery when it comes to sin. Can Jesus' power do that? That's what you really got to wrestle with. If you feel like this is just as is. This is my life. You imagine how Drew felt. 40 years. This is just my life. I want to talk about someone who felt desperate and just um, accepted this is his life. But yet the power of Jesus was able to change that. Yeah. I think for a lot of us, we have experienced this power of Jesus. We've seen it change our lives. We've seen it radically change who we are. We've seen it even um, um, allow us to get up and walk. But yet, we return back to survival mode. As if nothing had ever happened. As if that encounter with Jesus was just a moment in time. You know, our life has returned back to, you know, I'm just bumping along with Jesus here. I'm on a road trip on my way to heaven, just kind of waving at everybody, taking in the scenery. And that's about as good as it gets. Holding on to the smooth 60 miles per hour. 
I'll get there in time. You don't need to rush. This is just what I do every day. But you're given the Holy Spirit. You're given the actual spirit of power. The same spirit that changed this man's life forever is the same spirit that dwells within me and dwells within you. So if you think he wants you just to have a life as is, to just bump, um, just to move along, that's absolutely furthest from the truth possible. But yet somehow we, we forget that. That, he, that the Holy Spirit within you is begging, is wanting to burst free and for you to live a life proving that the power of Jesus is real. Part of the reason why you and I have that power of Jesus, have that Holy Spirit residing within us, is that we can change other people's lives. That we can make an impact. That we don't just sit there and lay begging. But that we go out and we share the good news. That the power of Jesus is real and is truly power. That you and I are a vessel of Christ. You know, I understand. As a disciple who's going on 14 years now. I get it. I understand what it's like just to feel like, hey, this is it. The days of power have gone. Now, I'm, <clears throat> now I've grown older and I'm just setting in and I'm like, this is the pace that I enjoy. <laughs> this is just my life. I'm excited about it. Not really happy about it, but you know it's good. It's good here. I like this. I've been there. Been there for many, many years. I know after I graduated college. You know, I look forward to the fact that, man, I'm going to get a job, get, get myself, like, like a real job. Um, just want to throw it out there. I did work since I was 15. Teens, good idea. Parents, make them work. Character building. Um, but I've been there. I remember just like, all I want to do is get my job, get my house, have a couple of kids, and I'll live my life for Jesus. That's it. I'm good to go. But that's not what God has in mind. That's not the power of Jesus in my life or in your life. It's something bigger than that. It's something big enough that it can cause a man who's been laying for 40 years to get up and walk. What is it going to do for your life? But we haven't even got to the craziest thing yet. We haven't even talked about the thing that makes you wonder. The craziest thing in this whole passage. You know, most scholars will say that if a person's name isn't listed in the Bible, it means they didn't make it. And we know here that Luke wrote um, Acts. And in fact, in the beginning of Luke, Luke even says, hey, I've gone back and talked to eyewitnesses. You don't think this man drew... Would have been known to the church there. You don't think he kind of would have been like, hey, if you're struggling your faith, why don't you go talk to Drew? He used to not walk. Now he walks. I'm just saying if you're struggling with, you know, is Jesus real? You go talk to Drew. Everybody go talk to Drew. Every week we'll just have a one testimony, Drew. You got it. 
I was like, and that's the whole service. Amen. We'll pray. Everybody go. But it looks like Drew just walks away. He's, he's rejoicing, jumping around, praising God. But it's like he just kind of leaves out the back door. Maybe to do all the things that he wanted to do. 40 years he had been waiting maybe to get his life in order. To have that um, Israelite dream. Right? To have the wife, the couple of kids, to actually get a real job, be able to go into the temple, to be able to talk to individuals. This kind of disappears. Getting caught up with life. It's hard to believe that he just walks away. That somehow he had seen the power of Jesus, had come face to face, encountered it, and yet walked away. But for a lot of us, that's what we're doing, that's what we're planning on doing, even as we walk out of this room. To just go back to life. Say, thanks Jesus, I see the power, i got to get back to my life. And we can't walk away. We can't just return back to survival mode. What are you going to walk away with this morning? How is the power of Jesus going to shape your life moving forward? Is it just going to be um, an encounter with God as we look through the scriptures? As we have seen the power of God before you, literally within your hands. Will you just go back? to survival mode. You know, church, we got to live like we have come in contact with the power of Jesus. If it's your first time coming out, I want to plead with you. Open the Scriptures with someone here. Figure out what is this power of Jesus? Is it still real? What will it do in my life? For all of us to live like the live like we live a life shaped by the power of Jesus. You know the title of today's lesson. I want to alter it a little bit. Instead of one in the power of Jesus, your name goes there. Then I want you to complete that sentence. So be Dan and the power of Jesus. And what? Tony and the power of Jesus. And what? Kai and the power of Jesus. And what? You insert your name. Right. What will the power of Jesus do for you? Come on. And how will it change radically your life? Amen. Thank you. Amen.